Good evening, everyone. It's really, really good to see you all here tonight. Thank you very much for coming to Dundonald Aylam, and thank you also to those who are joining us online. It's really lovely to have you all with us. My name is Pip, and it's my privilege to share God's Word with you. This is our last Sunday service together of 2019, which is pretty incredible. It has been an incredible year in this church. Last week, I know <clears throat> Pastor Malcolm and Debbie aren't here this evening. They're uh, um, taking a well-deserved break. But last week, Pastor Malcolm uh, thanked all of the, the leaders in this church for all the, their commitment and all their work. And I, I just thought, you know, well, it's only right that we reciprocate that. And they'll, they'll probably be listening online. So I just thought, even before the year finishes, that we should uh, give back our thanks to them for the wonderful leadership that they provide in this church. It's amazing that God has given us leaders here who have integrity, who have love and experience, and can just take us on to the next level in God. So if pastors listening, could we just give them a big round of applause for all that they have given to us this over this year? And I say it has been an incredible year in the church, but it has also been one where, where all of us have gone on, on significant pastoral journeys together as a, as a fellowship. And a year when, when we as, as pastors have been honored to journey with many of you um, individually on your pastoral journeys as well. And it does seem that every time we get to the end of a year, we can look back and, and we can see the ups and the, the downs of our lives over that year, as Sharon has said, over a, a lifetime. But what a privilege God has given you and me to go on this journey of life together as a church. What a privilege he has given us to do that. And he is the one who can take all of our experiences, good and not so good, to draw us as a people closer to him and also closer to each other. And what I want to do is to encourage us to finish 2019 as a, a fellowship and embrace 2020 as a church with thankfulness in our hearts so if you have a Bible with you or you have a device and you want to look this up, we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 16 through to 18. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll start reading at verse 16. And this is the inspired and the authoritative word of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Oh no, God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. Three short, succinct commands given to us in scripture. And what I would like to do tonight is to think particularly about the last command that we read out there, which is this. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's a great verse for us to store in our hearts 
over 2020. An easy verse to memorize, but a really difficult one to actually live out. A lady was leaving a, a church service and she said to the minister on, on the way out, I enjoyed your sermon, thank you. And the minister was a little bit pious and he turned to her and he said, oh, don't thank me, thank the Lord. And she looked at it and said, it wasn't that good. <laughs> but thankfulness and being thankful is a wonderfully great virtue. A great virtue to cultivate in our lives. And I want to encourage thankfulness in 2020 by thinking about what, why, when, and how. So let's go for this. Firstly, what is thankfulness? I encourage you to take notes tonight. The term give thanks in verse 18 comes from the Greek verb eucharistio. And I'm going to spell it out for you so if you're taking notes, you'll see how we can unpack this word together. The spelling is E-U-C-H-A-R-I-S. T-E-O, Eucharistio, and it is this quality of being grateful, of, of expressing gratitude in our lives. Now, we all know that being thankful seems to be a, a lost art in today's world, but in many respects it has always been a lost art. Because as human beings, we've always had pride within, and we've always had this sense of entitlement. I remember reading a story about a guy called Edward Spencer. He lived around 1860 in Illinois, and he was part of this life-saving team. And one day, he was called into action because a ship went to ground on, on the, the shores of Lake Michigan. And this guy waded in and out of freezing cold waters and saved, rescued 17 people. But in the process of doing that, his health was, was permanently damaged. Years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever found him or made the effort to say thank you. We can go even further back than that to nine men who didn't come back to Jesus whenever he healed them from leprosy. We do rightly talk about people having a sense of entitlement today, but it has always been a human problem. Being thankless is not new. G.K. Chesterton said that the greatest lesson he had learned in his life was to take things with gratitude and not for granted. What a great lesson that is. Take things with gratitude and not for granted. This is so important, especially for a Christian. Because if you think about it, thankfulness should be a distinctive mark of your life and my life. Very much so. If you think about that word Eucharistio, it sounds like another word that we are familiar with, and it's where we get the word Eucharist from. In Luke 22, verse 19, it says, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks, Eucharistio, and he broke it. He broke it. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because it lets us see that at the heart of communion is giving thanks. And therefore, at the heart of Christianity is giving thanks for what God has done in our lives. It should be a distinctive mark in each and every one of our lives. Also, the root word of Eucharistio is the word charis. And you'll see it there. If you've written it down in the middle of that word, C-H-A-R-I-S, which is the Greek word for grace. 
And that's important because Eucharistio envelops the Greek word for grace and also the Greek word for joy, kara. And I'm telling you that because it reminds us that at the heart of thanksgiving is the grace of God and our thankfulness for his grace, which brings this kara joy into your life and into my life. Actually, we could go further when we study this word thankfulness. The theologian Warren Wearsby said, that actually the word thank and think come from the same root word, which is very interesting. Because if we were to think more, I know we would be more thankful in our lives. And we need to think about the scripture because it's not easy. It's easy to say, but it's not easy to live out. Thankfulness is gratitude, especially for the grace of God. It's at the heart of Eucharistio. It's at the heart of our thanksgiving. It's God's grace. And if to think is to thank, or to thank is to think, <laughs> we need to think now as we go on to point two, which is this. Why should you and I be thankful to God? Why should we be thankful to God? And there are a number of reasons. Firstly, we should be thankful because it is a command. In everything, give thanks. That is a spiritual, biblical imperative. However, I don't think you and I should need a, a command to force us to give thanks. If to thank is to think, the more we can meditate upon the grace of God and the freedom and, and the joy that, that we have found in God and what he has done for us, the more we should be thankful. We shouldn't need a command to give thanks to God, but it is one. Secondly, we should be thankful because it is God's will. Often we can puzzle about what God's will for our lives is, can't we? Well, actually, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But again, as with biblical commands, I don't think this is a case of, this is God's will, so you must do this. I read this more as, this is God's will, so you can do this. I think God's telling us here that thankfulness is always possible. I think he's telling us that thankfulness is always possible in our lives because it's his will. Thirdly, we should be thankful because it's the example of Scripture. Psalm 100 says this, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Jesus set the example of thanksgiving when he gave thanks for the bread and the cup which we'll think more about in a minute. Heaven sets an example of thanksgiving for you and me. Great verses in Revelation 7, verses 11 to 12 say this. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped saying, Amen. Blessing and glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever. Thanksgiving forever. So this actually is, is an eternal virtue. Thanksgiving. And I, I love the, the revelation that Malcolm gave to us of, of how whenever we sing worship, we're actually joining with the voices of the myriad of saints that are, are in heaven right now, worshiping God. It, it, changes the whole dynamic and, and focus of our, our, our worship. It's exactly the same with our thanksgiving. It's an eternal virtue, and heaven gives us the example of that. 
And fourthly, you and I should be thankful because it's actually good to do. It's good to be thankful. It's good for us. Spiritually, it's good. Psalm 69, verse 30, great verse, says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. I will magnify God with thanksgiving. What does that mean? What does magnify God? Surely we cannot make God any bigger than what he already is. He's already infinite. If you and I or I look through a telescope at, a, at another planet, we cannot make that planet any bigger than what it is. But what the telescope does is it makes the planet bigger for us. And if the thank is to think, the more you and I can meditate upon God, upon his grace, upon what he's done for us on the cross, the more that will magnify God in our hearts, the more that will enlarge our vision of him in our spirits, if we take time to think, and the more we will want to give thanks. It's also spiritually good because, as I say, there is joy, cara, in the midst of giving thanks. And it's practically good because it's a great weapon, thanksgiving, against unbelief. And it's a wonderful thing that can spare us against being cynical, bitter, or critical. My, one of my mentors who, who went to be with the Lord recently always said to me, he says, Pepsi, as you get older, you'll either get better or you get bitter. He said, get better. I think thankfulness is something that can help us to do that in our lives. It saves us from being cynical, bitter, and cynical. Why give thanks? It's a command. It's God's will. It's the example of Scripture. And it's such a good thing to do, practically and spiritually. Third point is this. When should we be thankful to God? First Thessalonians says, in everything. <laughs> in everything give thanks. Eucharistio reminds us of Eucharist. And every Sunday morning we give thanks here, and rightly so. But what this verse speaks about is much more than a Sunday service. You and I, we can find it easy to be thankful when, when things are good in life, when our relationships are good, when health is good, when blessing is our, our portion, and when we are aware of God's presence and creation and, and in our lives. But this verse is speaking to more than being thankful in just good times. Paul says, be thankful in every circumstance, good, bad, happy, or sad. And our instant reaction to that is, hold on, Paul. What if I lose my job? What if good health be taken from me? What if I lose a loved one? What does in everything give thanks actually mean? Because let's be honest, most of the time, for many of us, if you're anything like me, sometimes giving thanks is the last thing. We want to actually do. Well, the first thing I want to note here is this is no glib, throwaway comment from Paul. This is not an empty spiritual platitude that he's just fired out onto a letter to the Thessalonian church. And we know that because he wrote about this sort of thing on other occasions. In Ephesians 5, verse 20, from prison, Paul wrote, Give thanks for all things. In Philippians 4, verse 6, from prison, Paul says, In everything give thanks and present your requests to God. He modeled in everything give thanks in his life. This guy knew exactly what he was talking about. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were in prison? They caused a stir in the prison, not because of their complaining, but because of their singing. 
Paul knew what it was to be brutally treated for following Jesus. If ever somebody had the right to complain, surely it was the Apostle Paul, yet his modus operandi was always to give thanks in whatever circumstance. We see thankfulness in other Bible characters. Job, you remember him? He was the guy who lost everything. Yet he said, the Lord gave and the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you remember Daniel? He was about to be ripped apart by lions and he got down on his knees and the Bible says he gave thanks. Jonah, when he was inside the belly of a big fish, the Bible says that he, he cried out with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice everything to you. Now, this is really important because I do not think for one second that God expected Daniel to say, God, thank you that I'm about to be ripped apart by lions. Nor do I think for one minute that God asks us to say, God, thank you for this terminal illness. Or thank you for this unbearable loss or heartache. How do we know that? Well, do you notice in our reading, Paul said, in everything give thanks and not for He said, in everything give thanks and not for. And there's something really helpful in that line of thought. We're not called to give thanks for a terminal illness. But maybe in a horrendous situation like that, are there things that we can give thanks for in that situation? Like the doctors or the nurses who might look after us or the the beautiful people who are maybe around us who who can look after us and take care of us. Losing a loved one is not something we're ever to give thanks to God for or should ever feel we need to give thanks to God for. But maybe in that sense of loss, is there something that we can find to give thanks to God that maybe someone is free from suffering or pain? To thank God that they're with Jesus or to thank God that, that he graced us with the, the, the privilege of, of doing life with those people. Persecution is, is not something to celebrate. But maybe can we give thanks that God uses hardships for his eternal blessing. Do you remember Paul when he, he, he wrote to the Philippian church? He did not give thanks for his chains in prison that were probably cutting into him and hurting him. He gave thanks that because of his chains, the gospel was being preached with more courage. Give thanks in, not for. When Jesus broke bread and wine, he knew exactly what he was giving thanks for. He knew what that symbolized. And he gave thanks for it. Was he thankful for the hideous suffering that he was about to go through on a cross? I don't think so. In fact, in the garden, he asked for the cup to be removed from him. Hebrews 12 says, For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, and he scorned its shame. The cross was not joyful. There was nothing joyful about a cross. Jesus gave thanks for the bread and wine, and he endured the cross because he knew the joy that would come to billions of people. As a result of that cross, that's what got him through. He was focused on the the purposes 
of God. I don't think God asks us to give thanks for horrible situations, but maybe can we give thanks for the grace and the the glory that God can even bring out of the most difficult circumstances. Give thanks in, not for. But that's still not an easy thing to do, is it? What is it that fuels thanksgiving for us in the midst of disaster, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of discouragement? Well, to thank is to think, and we need to think carefully about this. And so for our last point, I want to suggest this. How in everything can we give thanks to God as we embrace this new year? As we leave behind some of the disappointments of the year that's gone by and embrace this year, some doomsayers hate people having New Year's resolutions. I actually don't mind people because if there's anything, whether it's for one day or one hour that encourages or inspires us to try and improve our lives, I think, well, that's that's surely a good thing. Surely there's aspiration in in many of our hearts tonight as we, we embrace a new year. How do we give thanks to God? Firstly, we choose to. The songs that have been picked tonight have been so perfect because we sang about choosing to praise. We choose to give thanks. That verb, and I hope this doesn't sound too technical, that verb to thanks, to give thanks, is written in what's called the present imperative active. And the present imperative means that this should be the constant action of our lives. And the active voice in that means that it's our choice. We choose. To make this the constant action in our lives. That sounds impossible. And in many ways it is impossible if there wasn't some encouragement for us in this verse. And you see, give thanks is written in the second person plural. It was written to the church. And you and I have to make an individual choice every day. But actually, there's something really lovely about this because it's written to the church. So there's something in the dynamic of our fellowship and our being together corporately to worship that helps us want to give thanks to God. And it was lovely, actually, whenever we listened to those testimonies, those one-sentence testimonies earlier, because the vast majority of were people saying, I give thanks for my church family. And there's no coincidence in that because the dynamic that you and I have together is one that can help us give thanks in all things. If I do not feel like coming out to church on a Sunday, but I make the choice to come out, that's going to help because our presence here helps each other and it gives each other courage when we're, what we're facing. If I want to choose to take communion, but my circumstances are screaming no, but I choose to do it. That's a choice of thanksgiving. But the fact that we're here together and the dynamic of our fellowship encourages me to want to take and make that choice of thanksgiving because this is a command and a choice that we make together as a church. And see, when we're scattered through the week, we can still work out that choice of thanksgiving by praying for each other and maybe being the answer to those prayers by the way we practically help and 
show love for one another. Thanksgiving is a choice we make individually, but also as a church. We're not left on our own with this one. But it's also a command that God helps us with. This is God's will, and he never asks us to do something that he doesn't give us the power, which enables us to obey it. So the active voice here, it's a choice we make enabled by God. There's another scripture, Ephesians 5, where Paul wrote, give thanks to the Father for all things. And that was in the context of being filled with the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, and Spirit. So actually you and I have the full resources of our triune God to help us make that choice of giving thanks. And as I said earlier, this is God's will, so we can do it. We can make the choice. In every circumstance, we have that choice, which on our own seems impossible, but hey, with each other, and with the help of our triune God, it is possible. For the second part of this how question, I want to suggest some ways that we can look to God for help in Mark 2020 with thanksgiving. Here's a suggestion. Can we ask God tonight to give us faith to give thanks? Can we ask God tonight to give us faith to give thanks? In the Bible, thanksgiving and prayer are inextricably linked. In all things, give thanks and present your requests before God. Thanksgiving and prayer are inextricably linked. Therefore, ask, pray, pray tonight that God will give you, give me, give us the faith to give thanks. Pip, I don't feel like doing that. Well, that's actually okay. Because this command to give thanks is directed at our choices, not our feelings, not our emotions. Biblical spirituality, of course, involves feelings, but it's never rooted in them because they're so unpredictable and they're so up and down. Our faith is rooted in God, who as we heard this morning is immutable, who never ever changes, who is steadfast, sure and certain, and it's rooted in us living out his truth, irrespective of how we feel. I wonder I'd love you maybe to meditate on this if you get a few minutes tonight when you go home. I wonder if this year we can let our feelings catch up with our faith rather than the other way around. Our faith always trying to catch up with our feelings. I haven't just had a big Christmas of eating food. <laughs> I've had a big 2019 of eating food. And I know I need to lose a bit of weight. Do I feel like exercising? No. <laughs> but this I know. When I make the choice to exercise, I will feel better. And it's much better to let our feelings catch up with our choices than the other way around. It absolutely is. Can we choose to ask God for faith? For faith to live for him. Faith to see our circumstances in light of God's purposes. That's really hard. But it's a great prayer to pray. 
to see our circumstances in the light of his purpose. He is purposes. He's sovereign. We sing it every week. He is infinitely greater, infinitely wiser than you and, and me, all of us put together and immeasurably good. And he holds our lives in his hands. He knows the big picture. And whilst not everything that happens to us is straight from the center of God's will for our lives, he can use everything. Very much so for his purposes in our lives. Can we pray for faith to see circumstances in the light of God's purposes? You see, understanding providence is a key to thankfulness. Understanding that God is in control and that the people we are now is the people God has shaped and made us to be. And he's used all of our circumstances, all of our joys, all of our triumphs, all of our failures, all of our difficulties that we have come through. He has used all of that to shape us, to be the people he has made us in to be right now at this moment. You may feel like your faith is small. I want to tell you that your faith is real. Your faith is real. Because every single one of you will have been through the testings of life. Every single one of you. And you're still here. You're still going on. You're still persevering. You're still wanting to go on in your relationship with God. James 1 says that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And mysterious as all of this is to us, the rough circumstances, the difficult times that you have come through or are currently in, show tonight that your faith is so real. Even if you feel you're holding on by your fingertips, it's still real. Can we ask God, even though we might not understand it, to give us faith to see our circumstances in the light of his purposes? And finally, can we ask for faith to see our circumstances in the light of the glory to come? That's what Jesus did, isn't it? He gave thanks for bread and for wine because he could see the future glory that would come as a result of, of what it symbolized and what he would go through. I wonder, are you here tonight and you're not yet a Christian? Do you feel lost in your life? Do you feel a bit directionless? Are you going through circumstances that sometimes make you feel that you don't know how you can go on or how you can carry on in your life? What is the future glory for you? What is it? Well, because Jesus not only gave thanks for bread and wine, but actually went to a cross. Tonight, if by faith you reach out to him and you give him your life, the glory of what will happen in that moment is beyond words. That caris grace will pour into your life like a flood. And joy, unspeakable joy, will flood your soul. You'll find grace and joy to help you. Grace of sins forgiven. Joy of having this relationship with God where he'll never leave you. He'll never give up on you. Ever give up on you.
And you'll find, like all of us who are Christians, grace and joy to make this journey on earth the fullest it possibly can be. One day, that glory will become reality in our lives as we be with Jesus. When we see him face to face, for the first time we know unpolluted joy in our lives, in his presence, is fullness, fullness of joy. What a hope. Can we pray for faith to give thanks? Can we pray for faith to see circumstances in the light of God's purposes and the light of the glory to come? Bander, are going to join me on, on this stage now as we draw this to a close and go into a, a, a final time of sung worship. So we come to the end of another year and we're embarking up on 2020. I'm going to lose a wee bit of weight. Don't know what your resolutions are. I want to get a wee bit fitter. I don't know what yours are. But I'm wondering if we can embrace this year with thankfulness in our heart. We've thought tonight about how giving thanks means gratitude, especially for grace. Karis, it's right at the heart of Eucharistio. Grace. That we can give thanks because it's God's will for our lives. And we've thought that we can give thanks together. We're not alone. We're part of a beautiful family here. And with God's enabling... And we'll finish with that challenge about trusting or choosing to ask for faith, to trust in purposes that God has for us and to give thanks to Jesus' way, which is by focusing on the joy and the glory that is to come, which brings hope into our current and present circumstance. It's difficult to give thanks in all things, but I'll tell you this, it's a great privilege it's a great privilege to be able to do this. To thank the one who will never leave us for his goodness, for his mercy, and for his grace in our lives. To thank him that he is in control. When lives feel so out of control, thank God that he is still sovereign and he is still in control. And thank God for each other. And how in the ups and downs that there will be of this next year that we're about to embark upon, we can do this journey together. We can help each other and we can give each other the strength to give thanks in all circumstances.